0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with a survivor named Francesca. And Francesca was in a four-year abusive relationship with a controlling narcissist. It's a story of testing loyalties, conditioning, extreme stalking, and living as if you were in a prison. And now, before we get to our episode with Francesca, I just want to first thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Castbox, etc., etc., please leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show when it comes to rankings. Now, If you have not been to our website recently at NarcissistApocalypse.com and you want to be part of the show, then go to NarcissistApocalypse.com and at the top of the page, there's a button that says guest form. Click on that, fill out the form, away we'll go. But another way to be on our show is to be part of our letters to our Narcissist compilation episode. For that, you also go to NarcissistApocalypse.com and on the button – uh, on the button, on the side of the page, there's a button that says send voicemail. Click that button. It records up to five minutes. If you need more than five minutes, click it a second time. That's 10. Third time, 15. Do it as many times as you need. We're compiling letters for our letters to our Narcissist compilation episode. And if you don't want to read the letter yourself, send us a voicemail to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. And myself or my old pal Melissa will read the letter for you. Other things on our site at NarcissistApocalypse.com? There's high-conflict parenting courses at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have partnered with an online parenting company called Online Parenting, and many of the courses we're offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court, and now he's helped you... Supporting you through divorce and your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to narcissistapocalypse.com/slash courses. What else do I got here? Our Patreon, everyone. Yes, we have a Patreon. If you want to hear episodes that have never made it to air, follow-up episodes with former guests. And much, much more. Just like our, uh, our 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 Hoover Hotline epic fail this week, no one called in to our th- uh, to our to our show. We're going to try and doing uh, try and do it again this week uh, to get that podcast off of the ground. Um, it was an epic fail, but we had a great time, Melissa and I. You know, we did like 20, 25 minutes. That epic fail is on our Patreon. If you want to go see it, and to become a patron of our Patreon, just go to patreon.com narcissist apocalypse and i guess that's pretty much it this is uh, a wonderful episode with francesca this is one of the worst stories of control i think i've heard uh francesca lived in a prison of sorts and there was zero breathing room and i'm just happy that she is out and you'll hear all of the emotion in her voice it's you know almost from the beginning to the end it's emotional so thank you to francesca for being part of our show and now without further ado I'm going to get out of my way and your way here is my conversation with francesca welcome to narcissist apocalypse everyone with me today I have Francesca. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. As always, I've talked your ear off. I've been in a chatterbox. You know, with 27 minutes, I've been chatting your ear off before we even... Oh, my
1: goodness.
0: Can you believe it's been that long?
1: No, I didn't even realize that. That's funny.
0: We're like two old friends already. Time just flies. So... um. I'm just going to get out of my way, in your way, Francesca. Thank you for being here. The floor... (laughs)
1: Thank you for having me. Oh, you're
0: welcome. The
1: floor is now yours. Okay. So, um, in August of 2015, I had just been separated from my husband of about eight years, and... um, It was a very vulnerable time for me. Um, It was a marriage where I had been cheated on, and um, that was the biggest reason for that divorce, or at that time, separation. Um, So I was at the park with my two children, my two daughters, and they were playing and having a good time. And then um, there was a man there with his two children as well, And he came right up to me, and he was super sweet and very charming, and he um, just came right up to me and started to ask me questions about myself. And um, I was sitting on a blanket and reading, and he kept saying, um, you know, so are are you married? And I said, well, you know, I'm going through a separation right now, and, um, you know, just kept paying me compliments and saying, well, it couldn't be something that you did. It couldn't be your fault because, you know, you just look like such a nice person and you're so sweet and you're so pretty. And, and it made me feel very good, of course. And um, so uh, with that, he did ask for my phone number at the end. And I said, okay, you know, that'd be great. I made, like I said, it made me feel good. I was kind of in this place where I wasn't feeling very good about myself. So I did. Um, give him my phone number, he seemed like a pretty normal person playing with his kids. So, and then um, proceeded to call me that night, and we had very long phone conversations where he asked me a lot of questions about myself, which I readily shared uh, with him. It just, you know, seemed like somebody I could trust almost right away. Um, he just seemed so genuine he shared a lot about his own life and his own divorce that he had gone through with his ex and um you know he just basically made me feel very comfortable and we just seemed to click and we spoke for hours and um the one thing I will say is that he did talk a lot about his marriage and his divorce um and it seemed like to me it seemed like Crazy because he said all these things about how his ex was so crazy and she accused him of doing things that he would never do and um you know there was restraining orders and there was um you know where you know she she tried to go go through seven or eight lawyers to try and get his custody of his children taken away and and I was like, oh my gosh that's, that's crazy and just couldn't believe it I mean I had never really Known anybody that had been through anything like that. And to me, I was like, oh, wow. And then, so also, like, his, her, he, she had his phone number blocked, which he told me. And I thought that that was just absolutely insane. I mean, as a mother, I was like, how would a mother block, <laughs> block the phone number of the father of her children? Because, like, what if he needs to get in touch with her when he has his children, you know? And, and, I just thought it was just I mean, what kind of woman would do that, you know. So in my mind, I was just mind blown. I totally fell for it thinking that she was probably crazy because I just couldn't relate to that at all. I was. I just couldn't believe that anybody would do that and try and take custody away from the father of their kids who seemed like he really just wanted to be a good father. And so I just, you know, immediately he made me think that his marriage fell apart because, she was just nuts, and she just constantly accused him of things that he didn't do and, um, you know, those kind of things. And she was already remarried, which I thought was also a little crazy, too. They had only been divorced for about a year, and she was about to get remarried when he and I met. So, um, you know, that to me thought, felt funny, but, I, you know, I don't really know much about, you know, the background of that. So
0: so on, anyway. day, on day one, you learned all of this information uh, mm-hmm. so you so day one were you you know you, you were kind of hooked in you know in a certain way or believed uh, his story, his victim playing uh, mm-hmm. uh, immediately uh, added with uh, your, Previous marriage, where it's possible, I don't know. Did you, you know? Obviously, your your husband uh, was uh, cheating, and you were you. Did you come out of it feeling you hadn't been seen in a while, um, or uh, noticed? And so these two things on kind of day one are hooked in, and you already he already has a good hook in you, like. Much right off the oh my
1: gosh, so much! Yeah, right off the bat, I just felt like, wow, like this is somebody who's paying attention to me, who is, thinks that I'm interesting. He thinks that I'm pretty. He thinks that I have like it, it. Just felt so good. It felt like I was so like, wow, you know that it's your. What you said is exactly spot on. I mean, it just felt like amazing. It felt so good to have that attention put on you after feeling like so low you know when you're married to somebody i had two two small children with this person and and i just felt so betrayed by him and so to have somebody else in my life that just was putting me first and calling me when he said he was going to call and and just paying me compliments and sharing so much about himself and asking me so much about myself you know
0: and you're immediately on a pedestal day one you're on a Mm -hmm. pedestal
1: Yeah. yeah um very much so yeah i think that It was day one definitely feeling really high and feeling, wow, like how lucky am I? Like, right after I'm coming out of this terrible situation, that I've met somebody who seems so great already. I mean, he was somewhat successful. You know, he owned his own home, he owned uh, his own car. He, you know, seemed to have his stuff together with regard to his children and taking them to the park. And, you know, he just seemed like everything just seemed great. You know, it just seemed like, wow, how lucky. I, I feel, you know.
0: And I assume after so, this, uh, you know, more stuff is is laid down, more love bombing. Um, and uh, did uh, I guess uh, mirroring happen and future faking or anything along those lines?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. Looking back, there was a lot of that. I mean, for for him, um, he was very, very like very big declarations of romance and, um, you know, wanting to, like, just us be together and just constantly wanting the two of us to hang out all the time, um, where it was just very much like, when's the next time I can see you? And, um, you know, I just, you know, it's so nice how you are and how you you know, you take care of your home and you take care of your kids and I just can't wait to be with you again. And just very romantic where I never had that before in a relationship where he would always surprise me with like having, you know, like candlelight dinner when I got to his house or like, um, you know, one day, one day, this was a little later on the relationship, but he had rented out an entire movie theater to have the Wizard of Oz playing, which is my favorite movie. Like it was just just these grandiose declarations of this romantic side of him, like where he would want to slow dance to music with me and like, just the, but throughout the relationship, right? So there was moments of these extreme love bombing. At first it was all love bombing, right? But then as the relationship progressed, it was this yo-yo of like very much the love bombing and then going back backwards. And then it was a yo-yo situation, a constant up and down in, in this um, relationship.
0: If someone rented out a movie theater just for us or just for me and, and them mm-hmm. and played mm-hmm. The Wizard of Oz, uh, mm-hmm. I would have been hooked right there. Like if you did that for it me. It was
1: it but- was incredible. I was crying. I mean, it was some, the, one of the nicest things that anyone's ever done for me, you know. So it was just it was incredible. And I was so I felt so loved and so um, cared for, you know. Yeah, that's Sorry, p- I'm getting teary already.
0: I <laughs> know. <laughs> I'm a I'm a movie person, so if someone you know, did that to me. I'd be like, man, you knew exactly. Yeah. You knew exactly how to uh, hook me in right there.
1: Oh, a hundred percent, and that was me too. I mean, I, I mean, just somebody who listened and knew that you know that was a really important movie to me. It reminded me of my childhood, and it were, you know, so he just knew these things and knew how emotional it would get me. That he would do these things for me all the time. So um, he definitely um, drew me in very quickly and just with the amount of attentiveness and the amount of romantic gestures and things like that. So, um, yeah, so as time went on, right, so I learned more about him and his background. So he comes from a very bad background. Um, He grew up with parents that were, drug dealers and drug addicts and um, in and out of homelessness um, but made me feel even better about him hearing about it because because of how he was I mean, he was so anti being into drugs at all and wouldn't put up with any of that kind of thing and it was just so like with the fact that he was such a successful person and seemed like such a, a good person coming out of that situation made me feel even more you know, happy that he was who he was. And, you know, so there was this this situation, right? But then there was also a situation when he was, so he shared with me pretty early on, because in a way he kind of had to, so bear with me. But he, when he was, I believe, 19 years old, um, was accused of, of raping a girl, statutory rape, because he slept with her and she was only 14 and he was 19 and he claims to have not known that she was only 14 and went through all this so um because of his lack of money and parental care when he was young didn't have the right kind of lawyer to help him and did get convicted of this and is now sentenced to i don't know um if everybody is aware of what megan's law is but he is on Megan's Law, um, which is, what, what like is basically. Megan's law? So, Megan's Law is um, it's where um, anybody who's a t- um, convicted of a sex crime or any kind of a crime against a child has to be put on basically probation for life or parole for life um, because of this. And so, this happened to him, I guess almost 20 years before I met him, probably more like 16 or 17 years before I met him. So it had been many years since then. He, you know, said to me that there wasn't, you know, obviously he had never been in trouble since that point. And it was such a huge, mis- you know, mistake and misunderstanding. And he didn't have the defense to get him through it. And, you know, it was very convincing to me that, you know, obviously, you know, I, I want you to know this because I don't want it to ever get in the way, but, you know, which also meant, you know, for our relationship, me having two children that, um, it would be very difficult for us to ever live with him because he would need to get through legal, jump through a lot of legal hoops to be able to have children that weren't his living in the house with him. Um, so, um, I did think about it and, and I thought to myself, wow, like, gosh, like what kind of mother are you to like, but at, but at the same time, I like I liked him and I loved him so much in my mind. I was like, you know, gosh, you know, I don't think that he's a bad person. I don't think that, you know, this means anything for him. And, and, you know, so for me, I just continued the relationship, even knowing that, and, and, you know, obviously in my voice, you can tell I have a lot of regret, but, um, so, um, so I did continue the relationship and went on, um, seeing him and almost every day we we saw each other a lot and we even got our children together a lot you know um our children played together and you know he and I would hang out and and then so um obviously the story doesn't end happily so I'm not going to just keep talking about how great it was but um so eventually it, it came to the point where things started happening where I was you know, set back by, you know, surprised by things that he would say or things that he would do. Um, so the first time I was ever really, besides what I just told you, set back by a red flag was that he, like one night, I guess after he and I had gotten past having long conversations about ourselves. He was bored one night, I, su- I suppose, and started telling me a story about how he had kids with some other woman um, that he never told me about, and um, he doesn't get to see these children because the woman just got pregnant, and, um, you know, he didn't really want any part of this, and this, that, and the other thing, and I'm thinking sitting there listening to the story. I mean, it literally went on for about 20 minutes of him telling this story to me, and I'm, like, thinking to myself, like, how do I even respond to this? Like, what am I supposed to say to this story? And then he just said... You know, I'm just kidding, right? And I'm like, what? Like, why would, what, what would possess you to do that? Like, why would you think that, that? And he's like, I don't know. I was just bored. I thought it would be funny. And I'm like, oh, uh, well, okay. You know, and he's like, you know, whatever. I just, I just thought it'd be funny. And he's like, don't be so serious about it. And I'm like, mm, okay. And so that was one thing I always think back of like the first time I thought, like, that's crazy. Like, why would anybody do something? Else? Or why would anybody want to make somebody think that they did that or something, you know, and then, um, then he starts to be like, you know, we're one day, we're having like a great night together, and then the next day, he's aloof, and like, he'll be on the phone with me in the morning on the way to work, or texting me, and then I'll say some, sudden say something like, you know, I'm really not happy, and I would be like, oh, okay, you know, what's wrong, you know, and then he would just say, I don't know, I guess I'm just not used to certain things that you do, and. I don't know, just be very, like, cryptic about it, but at the same time kind of making me feel bad about the way I was as a woman or the way I was as a person. Like, just questioning about, like, I don't know, I I really prefer women who take better care of themselves. Like, that would be something he would say. And I would be, like, so hurt by it, you know, and I'd be just in tears over it. I had never had um, a man or, or or even a woman say anything like that to me before, or, you know, I've been through obviously bad relationships, but never where somebody would put me down, whether it was in a roundabout way or whether it was in like a, a direct way. So, um, you know, he started to say more and more things like that to me. And, uh, so then he would also start intimating questions to me about, um, submission um, and how I feel about, you know, whether or not the woman or the man should be uh, the more dominant or submissive person in a relationship. And, you know, how do I feel about those certain things? I was like, well, you know, I'm not really a dominating person, but, you know, I don't really have an opinion on whether or not I think women should be submissive. I was like, that's not really something I think about, you know, I said, but I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm a dominating person. So, you know, I would just answer questions, but I just thought it was an odd question to ask and like, And then, like, one day I went to his house after work, and um, I found a pros and cons list about me. Um, So almost as if he was, like, trying to contemplate whether or not it was worth staying with me. (laughs) Um, It was just basically, like, you know, um, she's great at cooking and cleaning, and she's sweet, but she's also... um, you know like may because she doesn't work out a lot she may get fat like you know things like that and I was like what what is I started to get upset about that so like I just was like what is this you know and he just kind of downplayed it and he's like you know don't don't make a big deal out of it but I also thought like this is a list that's out on his counter in his kitchen so obviously it was meant for me to see it mm-hmm. and then also I'm thinking like did his kids see this list? Like, I just thought it was just so strange for him to leave something like that out, you know? And then like, it was obviously something that he, it was meant for me to see, just to feel bad about myself.
0: So well one, one second, I'm just going to back up the truck for uh, one second and remember where we were. Yeah. So when we come back, um, when he starts talking about your looks and putting mm-hmm. you down, Mm -hmm. how are you responding uh, to him? Are you uh, fighting back? Are you arguing with him? Or are you so Um, hurt that you don't know what to do and you're in shock?
1: um, I think mostly I was in shock and I was so hurt I didn't know what to do. So most of the time I would just start crying and I'd feel like really bad about myself. And then it would be a chance for him to kind of step in and be like, Oh, you know I think you're beautiful and you know how I feel about you and like, you know, you can't you can't think of it that way. You're being, you know, you're you just, you know, you're thinking of it differently like, you know, don't you think like if a man wants his woman to feel um to be to look a certain way or to appear a certain way that, you know, it's better than him cheating on her than to to, to keep it from her and to tell her. Like, so he would kind of romanticize it in a way where it was like he was doing a favor to me. And, like, so I would be hurt and crying. But then he would almost, like, be comforting me in a way that was like, I'm just trying to help you be the way I want you to be. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was kind of like that kind of manipulation where it felt like, okay, like, I can kind of see it. in my mind. I could kind of see it, right?
0: Yeah, like he's there to help you be the best version of you possible, and right, you know, and specifically I'm a,
1: for him, for, specifically but, 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 for
0: but, but, him, but spe- exactly, specifically for him. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with uh, for you. What it's all his uh, fantasy of what he wants, mm-hmm. so, like uh, his partner to be, and has nothing to do with you at all
1: right exactly it wasn't it, and he made it made it feel like well part of it was for me like don't you want to be better don't you want to be like oh you know like you know girls don't you want to be the girl that turns other guys heads and don't you want to do this and, you know like that kind of thing where I'm like okay those kind of things never really occurred to me and keep in mind I'm like you know a mom and I'm like you know I work full time like it's just not something like I'm not like somebody that concentrates a lot on, not that it doesn't matter to me, my appearance matters to me, but it wasn't ever something I really focused on, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just like, Oh, okay. You know, like I never had a problem dating or, or being with a, a man. I was never like the type of person that was so down on my appearance that like, I felt like I couldn't be with anybody or that nobody would be attracted to me, you know? So it just felt odd. But yes, I did cry when he would say things like that to me, but I think he, he took joy in that and it made him feel like now I can, now I can take this opportunity to build her back up and comfort her and then explain to her like what I really meant by what I said and that it wasn't meant in the way she's taking it. And, you know, so I think he used those opportunities where he would get me vulnerable to then teach me what, what he wanted. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, don't you love me? And, you know, we get along so well together. And these are the kinds of things that I'm looking for. And, you know, like, that kind of thing where I'm like, okay, like, you know, I do like him and I do, you know, if, t- if these are things that I can do that are things that will make him want to be with me or like me, th- this is the mindset I was in, you know, where I was like, okay, you know, like, I'll do my best. And, you know, if I can be that for you, I will. And if it doesn't mean me like having to do anything crazy, then sure, why not, you know? So that's the where I was at with that, but...
0: And you mentioned something before the looks part.
1: Uh, oh, the story about the woman and the kid.
0: Yes, the woman like about the kid. Like having dated Yes. Someone? So I have a yeah. question about that. Yes. What do you think he was trying to do? Like, you know... When I was listening to that, I'm like, is he trying to see how you're going to react to that?
1: Yeah, I and, think, she, I think like, you're absolutely right.
0: And how you, like, will you be like, no, I'm not, like, this is too weird. I'm leaving. Or here's yeah. this extreme yeah. situation. Is this going to phase her or is she just going to go along with it and forgive me right. for telling the story? Like, it was a test you know, in, in a way.
1: I 100% think so. I think at, at the time, I think I thought the same thing. And I think back now, and I think it, 100%, I think you're right. I think it was a lot of things that he did were tests of my loyalty, tests of my, um, like how far he could push my boundaries, which obviously my boundaries weren't that great. Um, looking back, they're pretty awful. Um, and and I think it was just boundary pushing and just testing to see like, how would she react? And is she going to up and leave if I tell her something crazy or if she's going to just be like, okay, you know, that doesn't bother me. Or like, I I don't know, but he did things like that regularly where it was felt like tests, you know, they felt like tests of my loyalty and dedication. So, but I think too, like my, my whole, you know, my reaction, the, the way I am as a person, right. If somebody's telling me something personal, I don't, want them to think that in my mind that I'm thinking oh my god this person's crazy so like I probably was trying to sit back and be like okay listen to the story and see what he's because like I'm trying to process it and think like okay maybe you know maybe there's an ending that it's going to be different than what I'm expecting. You know, I wasn't sure what to think, but I was patiently waiting for him to just finish the story and to understand where he was coming from with it. And, and, but my mind was reeling as he was telling it. I do remember thinking like, how am I supposed to react to this? You know, like I wasn't really even sure what to say, you know?
0: So so I railroaded you going backward. Let's go forward now. Um, and continue. Okay.
1: Okay. So, um, so anyways, as he's starting to, you know, kind of make, um, comments about my appearance and the way I do things, um, a lot of times it's just little digs about, you know, I've never, Any time I've ever been in a relationship in the past, I was always like sort of the one who did all the cooking, but, but fondly, it wasn't a bad thing, right? Like I enjoyed it. I enjoy like, let me meet you dinner or let me do this or let me do that. You know, it was kind of like one of those things that I enjoyed doing, but I never had, it was always, like, appreciated, you know, it was never, like, where the person would be, like, you're not doing that right, or, like, you know, can I, so he started to do things like that, too, like, judging the way I was doing certain things that I was just used to doing. I mean, I had been living on my own since I was, like, 18 years old out of college, you know, and, just was used to doing things the way I did them and never really thought twice about it. And he would always question, why do you do it like that? And how come you're loading the dishwasher that way? And, and why would you go and buy that at this store when it's cheaper at the store? Like just kind of just starting to make a lot of comments about the way I did everything where it was almost, I started to feel like, okay, is there anything he thinks I'm doing right? You know? And then I was thinking, this is in those days where he would say how wonderful and fabulous you are and beautiful you are. So you're not really sure. I was not really sure what, which way to actually think was what he was thinking. If I, if he thought I was great or if he thought I was terrible, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. And it just became a cycle of that, and then, and then it became more and more jealousy on his part, where um, where he started to question every single thing I did as far as my motives and um, make make it so that he thought that there was always something going on behind his back, that I was always hiding something or sneaking something behind his back that he was accusing me of. And so it would be like, oh, that's weird. You came home today. I came to my house like 10 minutes later than normal, and I'd be like, oh, you know, I got held up at work, and I'm sorry, and, you know, whatever, you know. And and so it just became all these little things, and if I didn't pick up the phone right away or, um, you know, he would just start acting cold or or even sometimes start to, like, get really angry where, like, I would be like, oh, my gosh, what, what the heck? You know, he would start yelling or, like, screaming, and I would be like, uh, immediately, I'm a very emotional person just start crying because I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm so sorry, and start justifying to him, like, why whatever happened happened, which never was anything major I can't even think of a perfect, for instance, because it was always just like running a couple minutes late or forgetting that he had texted me and not looking at the text for five minutes or not responding to him right away. Or um, Then it was like if we were going out somewhere and I was being too friendly towards other people, like especially any man, like if he thought that I looked at somebody or smiled at somebody or, um, you know, anything, he would always be so, so jealous. It was just so horribly jealous to the extent that I had never seen anything like it before. And, and, um, you know, he basically would be like, you know, who was that? And I would say, I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. We're out to dinner and we're having a nice conversation. All of a sudden he'd be like, who was that? And I said, who don't play dumb with me. I know, you know, he would, he would really, really think that I, I knew this person, I was hiding something from him, but I really, you know, it would be a situation where I wouldn't even know what he was talking about. I would be like, my gosh, like, I, I honestly don't know. And, I, you know, I'm sorry if I looked at that person and I didn't even mean to. And he, he would just slam me basically and say, like, how disgusting I was and that he didn't need to put up with it. And, like, um, you know, that there was plenty of women who wouldn't be wandering their eyes all over the place and and just – constant like we're and i would then i would feel like bad like what maybe i did look at that person and maybe i did feel like make him feel that way so then i would try and be more conscious of it and and be apologizing to him for it even though it wasn't even anything that i had done you know so um he just always then you know there was a big fight about it would just make me say you know later on be like you know I need reassurance because, you know, I, you know, what I've been through with, you know, my past and, you know, my parents and, and, you know, what I've been through with my ex-wife and, you know, what she put me through and I have abandonment issues and, and, you know, you can't, you, you need to understand to be more understanding of why I get angry and why I get upset because I need reassurance from you. And so then it became more like the reassurance needed to be like, well, I don't believe you, so I need to be able to read your emails, and I need to be able to um look at your phone whenever I want to, and it would make me feel better if I know where you are all the time. and And because I wasn't hiding anything from him and because I wasn't recognizing what was happening – I I handed over those things to him. I just thought, like, okay, well, if it's going to make you feel better, then sure. Like, there's nothing I'm doing. So, sure, you can look at my phone. And, you know, he put software on my phone, like what you would put on your kid's phone to be able to see where they're at all the time, like some um, app that basically tracked everywhere you went, Um, you know, because of the way he was, he started to say, well, you know, I could help you, you know, I know you're busy and I know you have a lot going on and you have, um, you know, work and the kids and I can help you keep track of your bank accounts. And, you know, if you just give me access to your things and I can, you know, start to help you with more of that stuff. And eventually, you know, when we're married, you know, again, like pretending, like eventually you and I will be married and I would be in charge of this stuff anyway. So let me help you out with it. Um, but basically, he is very, very, very technologically savvy, more so than anybody I've ever met before. Um so he uh, you know links things to his computer, so basically any text message I would get on my phone would bounce automatically to his computer and his own phone. any email that I get, whether it was personal or whether it was through work um, would bounce automatically to his computer and his phone. My bank account transactions um anything that he wanted to see he was able to see, and I felt like too like you know in a in a relationship right if if I wasn't feeling comfortable and and I wanted to to know that I was able to access my boyfriend's phone or my husband's phone or whatever the case is, I would maybe think, like, okay, like, if I wanted to, and I asked him, would he share it with me, then I would maybe expect that or maybe want that. Um, but the way he did it was that he was constantly looking at these things, like almost said it was a full time job for him to monitor me. Because like, let's say I got an email at work from somebody who used an exclamation point, or said, hope you had a great weekend exclamation point. And if it was from a male, he would assume that there was something going on between the two of us and, um, and he would berate me and say, you know, you're a cheater, you're a liar, you're this, you're that. And I would have to explain my way out of it. And then like, you know, that I needed to, 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 you know, monitor my own behavior and the way I spoke to other people and not let them think that they had an opportunity to say things to me like that. And, it would literally be like if they used a smiley face or an exclamation point in an email that there must be something going on between us, whether that person was 90 years old or whether they were, you know, it didn't matter. It it, it just, it didn't matter who it was. I mean, there was always something going on between me and that other person and even his own neighbors, like, you know, he had a, a man that lived next door to him a man and his wife that lived next door and they were much older than us. They could have been our parents. And, um, you know, I, I got to the point where I was uncomfortable if I was outside of his house playing with my kids or playing with his kids and my kids, and this man would come over and be friendly and say hi because I was like, my ex is going to have a heart attack. He's going to he's gonna freak out if he sees me talking to him. You know, so it started to get, like, very nerve-wracking where I'd be nervous about being around men because of the way he would react, um, no matter who it was. And there was even one time when i was at my sister's house for a family party and uh he he basically made us leave because he thought that my uncle who's also my godfather was was being inappropriate and and flirting with me or or something and he made it seem like he was just being too you know if one of my family members would try to kiss me on the cheek or give me a hug hello it's just the way it is in my family but like he thought that that person wanted me and it felt so like it was so weird I was like what why would you think that and he would just make it seem like I was a stupid one like how do you not see that that person is trying to flirt with you. And how are you so stupid that you can't figure out that this person is trying to flirt with you? And I was just so, I I couldn't, there was no way to explain your way out of it or say like, because he was just right in his mind. And and there was no way to, he, there was no way to explain myself to him. I never was able to make him feel better about it or make it, because there just wasn't a way to do it. And it it wasn't even the point to him. He just wanted to be right.
0: So so, at at this point... You're under control to a crazy level, in the sense of you're self-regulating yourself, feeling anxiety that you're going to be breaking any sort of rule that he's kind, or not a rule, but like knowing that you're going to upset him. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are you? Are you be, uh, technically? I don't know even why I use the word technically, but you're being isolated in a way from people by doing this because you don't want to upset him. And that will now include your family, I assume.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, So are
0: are you telling anyone what's going on? Are you ashamed of maybe what's going on and don't want to tell anyone or you're just in a survival mode, but you don't realize you're in a survival mode?
1: So a little bit, of, I guess I'm sprinkled with a little bit of everything at this point. I don't tell anybody what's going on because part of his grooming is that he is constantly telling you that what happens between a man and, and, the, and a woman and the relationship stays between the man and the woman in the relationship, and that's just the way it is. And, and you know, what kind of woman would betray um, her boyfriend or husband by talking about him to other people behind their back? And so it just became this, like... That, yeah, there was shame because I had come out of a failed marriage that, you know, I felt down about. And then I'm, now I'm in this d- deep in this relationship with this person who I thought was amazing. And I bragged to everybody about being so amazing. And I told everybody how great he was. And and now I'm kind of stuck in this situation where it's like starting to feel like all of this anxiety building up constantly because I'm always afraid of what I'm going to be walking into and whether or not I'm going to be. Rated, and uh, it's basically me filtering every single thing I do and say because I'm worried about what his reaction is going to be and I'm I'm even worried about proximity like physical proximity to anybody whether it's a stranger like going to get coffee in the morning or what like if anybody even looks at me or anything it terrified me because I'm thinking he's going to lose it. He's going to freak out and start screaming at me and start yelling at me and thinking something's going on between the two of us and and yeah so i mean i was definitely feeling shame i was definitely feeling um scared i was definitely feeling um you know filtering myself because i was i was i was worried about making him upset and and again it's sprinkled with Days of really sweetness, like where it was beyond belief, where you'd, he would just be, you know, sending me flowers and writing me these beautiful things about how how important I was to him and how he couldn't live without me, and I was like the oxygen that he breathed, and you know, just these these beautiful things he would write, and it would just blow my mind. And and he would say these sweet and beautiful things to me and take me out to dinners, but then within like a five minute swing, it could be we could be at that romantic dinner and if he thought that there was somebody in that building that looked at me sideways the wrong way or like anything he blew his mind and he, and it would be about it would be about me and what i did and how i reacted and never about this other person or like it would just always be like what what are you hiding what are you doing what are, do you know this person tell me the truth if you don't tell me the truth i will find out i will find out you know and it would just always be like these moments of like where he would just say like, I'm going to, to hunt through everything in your background until I can find out who this person is and why you're hiding him from me. And I would say, uh, you know, go ahead, go, go do it. You know, <laughs> I, I, there's nothing I don't, I don't know this person, you know, it was just, it became very crazy like that where I was just in this constant defense mode and yeah, I guess survival mode because I'm trying to, keep myself afloat and keep myself from being on his angry list, you know, mm-hmm. which I was always, you know, it was a day-to-day thing. It started to become a daily process of me having to, you know, be something or meet this goal or, you know, something that he wanted me to do that I, I couldn't possibly live up to because it was just, he would, even if there wasn't anything wrong, he would manufacture something to be angry about. And uh, so then it was, more about my appearance so he then um, basically then was like became obsessively obsessively focused on my weight and on my appearance physically and so he started to track and um, track and focus on everything I ate and demand that I wouldn't eat certain times mainly all the time so like you don't need to eat breakfast. You don't need to eat lunch. I don't want you bringing food to work. I don't want you getting food from work like the other girls that you work with. Um, these girls are, don't care about the way they look and obviously they don't care about their husbands or their boyfriends because they don't care what, you know, if he, they're even attracted to them, you know, like it would just be like this like mind brainwashing thing of like that if you ate then you were unattractive. Like, <laughs> so. It was this this and then it became him tracking how I was working out and how much I was working out and him leaving me lists of things that he wanted me to do for a workout the next morning and how long he wanted me to run for and then it would be texting me while I'm running to say, Why aren't you running fast enough? And um, you know, if I was working out at home I wasn't allowed to put the air conditioning or the ceiling fan on because <laughs> because he thought, like, what's the point of working out if you're not sweating enough? And, like, so it was just this intense focus on my weight and what I ate and what I didn't eat. And on Sundays, he would even take me out to breakfast and then order food for himself and nothing for me. So I'd have to sit there at breakfast and watch him eat while I had a cup of black coffee and um, wasn't allowed to put any sugar or cream in it or anything and just had to sit there and lot to meet and and then you know do a workout that he prescribed for me Um, you know in the morning if I was going to go get a coffee before work he knew how much um, small coffee would cost and he would monitor my debit card purchases to make sure I was buying the right size coffee and I wasn't drinking more than one cup a day and um, just tracking everything obsessively and became obsessed uh, completely focused on the way I looked and and weight especially, and then started sending me pictures of women that he liked from Instagram and started saying, how come you don't look more like this or dress more like this or do your hair like this or your makeup like this? Um, I want you to buy this outfit. Um, so basically like I'm sitting there at work, like trying to do my job and I would get a text of like some half naked Instagram model on my phone and he would be like, this is what I want you to look like. And, (laughs) and it would be so hurtful, you know, it'd be so, so hurtful where I would just be like, Oh my gosh, like, who would do something like that? And I would just feel so upset, and I would tell him I was upset, and I would cry, and he would be like, "Well, you know, would you rather I just be like your ex and go have sex with somebody that looks more like that, or do you would you rather just be like that for me?" You know, and like so, it was just all about that, and then it became an ultimatum for me to go get um, my boobs done, a boob job. So he wanted that. He said, "I want you to go." Get a, a boob job, and I want it to be the biggest it could possibly be. And I'm just not attracted to you the way you are. Um, I think that you know, if you did this, that it would be something that at least I would be attracted to you. And um, and then he became obsessively focused about that, and um, would send me pictures constantly of before and after pictures of women who had boob jobs, and and I would say to him like, listen, like I'm just coming out of this divorce or separation i was like i don't really have the money for this like you know i don't know if i feel comfortable doing this it's not really something i ever thought about doing and and uh he didn't care he said well then take out you know the credit for it and do it and he planned the whole thing and he wanted me to fly down to miami to do it and he booked the flight he he booked the doctor and um he couldn't come because he's not allowed to leave the state without permission because of his situation that he's in with parole and everything, so he sent me down there to get the boob job, and then came I, when I came back, um, you know, basically it was him, like, telling me that, I, you know, oh, well, you know, you can go to work, but you can't lift, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, but part of my job is doing those things, and he didn't allow me to take time off from of work afterwards, so I went right back to work after having been out for, like, two days, and, um, you know, just became obsessed. with with that and then as that started to heal and he wasn't liking the scars and things like that he started to become focused on that and wanted me to um do like micro needling to get rid of scarring and he started doing the micro needling for me on my body (laughs) this is so embarrassing so he you know he would micro needle to try and get rid of scars on my breasts and then he would um you know tell me that I should maybe get a scar revision and um go down back down again and get the scars revised and while I'm at it maybe just get them a little bigger and then eventually I did I went back down and got a second job boo job and uh got it revised and it, i thinking back about how crazy that sounds I did it and I tried to be everything he wanted me to be and it was just never enough because even when I thought, okay, I'm being what he wants me to be, I'm doing what he's asking me to do, it, the fight never stopped. It would constantly be him keeping me up all night, fighting with me, telling me that he thought I was doing something behind his back and telling me that I wasn't good doing things well enough the way he wanted me to, that I probably was slacking at working out because I was he wasn't seeing the results that he wanted to see and, um, you know do you know, not not doing my hair the way he wanted me to do my hair, and not dressing the way he wanted me to dress, and how come I don't dress sexy enough for him, and how come I don't do that? You know, it's just something constantly, something wrong.
0: So I have a, a, and, cu- a couple of things before we continue. So remember, um, uh, you know, where we were, where always something wrong. Um, yes. So the first thing I want to ask, or just kind of make a, a statement, is, you know, it sounds like, you know. If you never gave in to the first thing, he would always nitpick you about that first thing and nothing else would come up. He would always just be on you on that thing. Mm -hmm. And then then Mm -hmm. once you eventually caved and did that thing, then immediately now there is this other thing and he'll, he'll, he'll he'll get on you, he'll get on you, he'll get on you, he'll get on you until that thing is done until you mm-hmm. until you've gone crazy enough of hearing that where you just don't want to hear it anymore and mm-hmm. because he just it's like a, just like there was love bombing here is there a cavalcade of um, sticking to this one point, And he just, it's relentless to the point where. It was.
1: It was you, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, he was just relentless when it came to something that he wanted. Like at first it would just be a mention of something. And then it would just become like an everyday thing where he would constantly want to have a conversation about it. And like, I think you should do this. And I think you should do it. And why not? And I think that it would make us both feel happier. And then I would do this. And then blah, blah, blah. And it would be like, if you do this, it, if you would only do this for me, it will make everything better. Between us. And that's how it always felt. It's a condition. It was always this like moving goalpost. You know, it was always me having to meet the goal.
0: And and that relentlessness, it it gets to a point where either you are going to crawl up in a ball, I assume, and just be Mm -hmm. and and cry, just being like, I can't take this anymore because it is so relentless. Or Mm -hmm. you'll get that temporary moment of relief and maybe that mm-hmm. temporary moment after it's done of mm-hmm. maybe just a day or maybe two days of uh, like things might be normal you know and like you did a you did it and like you might get that relief and then That's right it, yeah and then you know, it, it might be a week, but it, it comes back, and now it's slow, 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 and then relentless, 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 boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 And then
1: it would be something else that he yeah. would start to focus on, and it would be another another thing for me to have to figure out and do and, and and do for him. Otherwise, I wasn't being what he wanted me to be, and I wasn't being a good enough girlfriend, and I wasn't being, you know, attentive enough to his needs. And there was always someone else out there who would definitely do that for him if if he wanted to, and he's not, you know, he was never you know, shy about telling me that or making me feel like that if if I wasn't going to do it, there would always be someone else who would. And, you know, know, he didn't understand, you know, making me feel like that that was normal and that, you know, obviously I just was with people that didn't hold my feet to the fire. That was one of his favorite things that he would say to me all the time, like, because I'd be like, I don't think this is normal that you want these things all the time. And he would say, oh, is it just because you've always been with these guys that never even tell you what they want or hold your feet to the fire for things that they want from you? And, and, and I would say, well, you know, because of my failure in, in past relationships, I would think like, well, maybe he's right. You know, maybe, maybe, I wasn't focused enough on what that person wanted and didn't ask them what they wanted. And maybe that's why, you know, who knows, you know, I was just in a bad place emotionally mm. and just thought like, okay, well he could be right. I don't know, you know, and he would make me feel that way.
0: And when it comes to uh, this situation, when you had um, the breast implants, Mm-hmm. You before you could hide stuff from your family, but now here's something mm-hmm. where they might be, or and friends, and now here's something where they might be like, where did this come from? Like, wh- mm-hmm. what was where was this decision? And I don't know how you how old mm-hmm. your children are at this time, but at mm-hmm. this point, someone has to ask a question here of like, what's going on? Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, yeah. So if I back up a little bit, because this you know because this situation I'm going to tell you probably happened before these two boob jobs happened. Um, So there was a point in time where my sister, I guess it was probably after the party at her house where she was, he was accusing me of, you know, maybe having some type of flirtatious relationship with my uncle or something like that. Um, I think after that, I think my sister recognized that something was up. Um, I was crying there because he was making me feel uncomfortable and he and I were obviously, having a a whisper fight in the corner and like, you know, it was kind of one of those things where it was just uncomfortable, you know? And it was, I think she saw that. My sister and I were pretty close before this all happened. And so I think she did start to recognize it. And so she had asked me to go out to dinner uh, one night. And so, you know, because, um, you know, I did tell him, you know, lots of intimate secrets and things like that about, you know, my, you know, my relationship with my sister was very close, but, you know, there were some times where I would share things. Like I would say, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe she thinks that I'm, you know, that I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not as good as her because she, you know, married somebody who had a lot more money than me. Or, you know, I would, you know, just things that you would tell somebody that you're dating that you wouldn't want your family to know about, but you would pillow talk maybe to your significant other about, you know, so he knew things like that. But so he knew my sister asked me to go out to dinner. And at this point in our relationship, I wasn't really allowed to do things without asking his permission unless he was there. And she specifically asked if it would just be her and I, She because I think she knew that in my mind, I would have to invite him because otherwise there'd be no way I would go. So she asked me to go out to dinner. I did tell him about it. And he said, yeah, you should go, you know, you should go with your sister after which I was surprised about. And um, he said, let me make the reservation. And, and, you know, um, then he started to tell me what to order for dinner. He looked at the menu ahead of time and decided what I should have. And that I shouldn't have more than one drink. Um, and that, you know, no appetizers and, because he was monitoring what I was eating, of course. And, um, so I meet my sister after dinner and she immediately starts crying and, uh, says I'm worried about you and um says you know I'm noticing things about this person that you're with that are are red flags to me that you know he might be an abuser that he's controlling you and that you know I'm worried for you and the kids and and that you're around him and and I was I was upset with her I said you know I can't believe you know that you would say all these things and that you know like what I've been through and how happy he makes me. And I defended him and uh, and it became a, a point of contention between my sister and I. And then above and beyond that, she had even shared with me that she had been in contact with a couple of my girlfriends who were also concerned about me. <laughs> and I, then I felt even more betrayed, like everybody was talking about me behind my back. And um, it made me feel angry with them, you know, that they would say these things about him and then i said you know how am i supposed to then bring him around you because now i have to share with him of course what you what you're saying and then he's not going to feel comfortable being around you anymore because he's going to know that you don't like him and so it could be in a bad spot in my mind you know mm-hmm. and uh so yeah i mean there was definitely family members even before that um and so there were basically by the time these um breast augmentations happened that I was almost had no relationship with my family at all anymore because that was the nail in the coffin for him after I came home from that dinner with my sister and told him what had happened it was basically like see your family is jealous of you and they don't want you to be happy and like um you know they're just trying to like you know draw us apart and like you know they don't understand that we have this connection and um, you know, that, you know, she's she's just unhappy with her own life, so she's trying to make you feel unhappy, and, you know, it made me feel like, so that, by that point, it was like this disconnect from my family, you know, I barely ever saw them after that. Um And then friends, too, you know, I lost friends because of that whole situation, because then she had gotten the friends involved, and I felt like, oh, now these people were talking about me behind my back, and and now I don't feel comfortable bringing him around them either. <laughs> so it really kind of, in my mind, put me in a bad spot, even though I know, obviously now that it was them caring and being helpful and wanting to be helpful. But at the time, it just wasn't the right time for me. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't time for me to admit that there was a problem. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I continued. And so, yes, yeah, so people were concerned about me. Um, yes, but, but did I, did I see them enough for them to, to know? Um, and did I then, I didn't really speak to people as much as I used to, you know, as far as like talking on the phone. Um, and I certainly knew knowing like my calls and texts and emails were being monitored. I would never say anything negative about him over those venues because of that, you know? So um he monitored them so closely that he knew anytime I sent a text, I mean, I would get questioned about it. And why would you say it that way? And especially to my ex-husband who, you know, we shared custody of my children. So it would always be a point of contention about, about that and how friendly I was being with him or to, towards his family or that I was letting him walk all over me, which was never true, but he always felt that way. He always felt like that, you know, that I was being too nice to him or that I was somehow, you know, thinking about getting back together with him or something like that too, you know? So, um, there was always that conflict as well, as far as keeping him at bay with my family. And then it even became, um, where I was living in the house that my ex-husband and I had owned together and he, and it was only maybe a 15 minute drive from, from his house. Um, so it wasn't like they we were far apart and we saw each other several times a week. Um, so it wasn't um, ever a bad drive or anything, but um, he didn't want me to live in that house anymore, and that became another obsession where he wanted me to sell the house and and move closer, um, meaning like within walking distance, basically, of his house, because if we couldn't live together, at least I could live extremely close to him, and so he became focused on making me sell my house and making it seem like it would be better for me and my kids and... Um, the school was better and that, you know, uh, we would be closer and he'd be able to help me more. And, you know, so I ended up selling the house that um, I had owned for almost, you know, eight or nine years. And my kids grew up in the house. They were born in that house. And, you know, um, I sold it. And I ended up renting a place near him, um, closer to him. So within like a five, you know, three-minute drive to his house, basically. Um, And... You know, he didn't really want me to keep any of the furniture. I mean, he just had this this thing in his mind where anything that came from the house was related to my marriage with with him, uh, with my ex-husband. And uh, he didn't want me to have it anymore. And he, you know, any of the furniture, any of the dishes, like he just really wanted me to get rid of almost everything and replace it so that it didn't remind him of my old house. And made it seem like, well, if you don't move out of that house and get rid of these things, like, I don't really, like, I don't want to be in your house with you at all because I just think it's not fair to me that you have are living in this house that you lived in with your ex, you know. And um, and I kind of, you know, and, again, in this twisted mind that I had because I was, you know, trying to see things through his eyes and thinking, well, I guess I can understand, you know how that could make you uncomfortable. And, you know, it is going to be nice if I'm closer. This way I can, you know, not have to drive a 15-minute drive at night home from my house, and I could just be so much closer, you know. So, And, again, you know, sprinkled with so many nice days of him doing nice things for me. You know, he rode motorcycles, so he would take me on really beautiful little trips up to the mountains, and, you know, we would go to nice dinners. And, um, you know, he he did really nice things for me sometimes, but it was always – spattered throughout the day with the horrible things, and he would say horrible, horrible things and and say horrible things about the way it looked or the way I was standing or that you know stuck in your gut or this or that you know anything that he like would look at me and didn't like the way my feet were turned out or anything it could be absolutely anything he would always just say something about my appearance to make me knock me down, you know it would be something nice and then something bad and I used to joke that it was like the Sour Patch Kids commercial. You know, it's like first they're sour and then they're sweet. And then it's like kind of like that whole situation, those commercials like where the Sour Patch Kids do something really mean and then they hug you and apologize. And that's that's literally how it felt with me and I all the time. And I compared it to that in my mind. I was like, it just it was this bouncing ball of ups and downs all the time, you know, and constantly being kept up all night being yelled at and accused of things, um, you know, him thinking that, you know, he, he had an STD and him making me go get STD tested and, um, him, you know, telling me that he didn't want me to be on birth control, um, because it meant that I had free reign to go out and do whatever I want and think that it was okay. Like just so, so many things, so much. I can't even like, I can't even comprehend it in my own mind, let alone, think anybody else can comprehend it but it was just always something that he was accusing me of and um so um trying to think so then it would be me having to prove my location constantly um, having to take pictures of where I'm at to prove that I'm at work or, um, you know, if my location. Like if I said I'm at work, but then he looked at my location on his tracking device and the little dot that's tracking me is like 20 inches away from where my office is. He's thinking it's like that I'm actually somewhere else, but I guess these things aren't always hundred percent accurate. So then I'd have to take pictures or recordings of myself to prove where I was. Um, there was always, um, There was one time I was driving home from work and I was on the phone with him and I ended up getting pulled over uh, by a police officer and he wanted me to record the conversation between myself and the police officer to make sure that I wasn't being too flirtatious with the police officer. Um, Just anything and everything when it came to monitoring me and tracking me and to the point like I was just basically a prisoner. I just didn't have any freedom without him knowing Exactly what I was doing, and him thinking that I was oh, always doing something wrong, even though there was no possible way because he knew everything. He knew everything I was doing. He literally had control over everything I was doing. Um, so it was just, uh, you know, it, it was being a prisoner in my own house. And then when he and I would fight, um, over the things that, uh, he would be upset about, or he would keep me up yelling at me. I would finally get to the point where I would lash out back at him and say, I just can't handle this anymore. You're making me crazy. You're making me nuts, and I can't handle this situation. I can't live like this, this constant state of fight or flight or feeling like I'm going to come home to this anger, come home to this rage, and I can't live like this anymore, and I don't want my kids to live like this anymore. He would then say, oh, well, you have anger problems, and you need to go see somebody and make me feel like i was nuts for thinking the way I was thinking, you know, and so uh, all this kept going on, you know, we were together for about two years at this point, and then he starts getting more focused on us getting engaged and getting married, and, you know, then that became the new focus, was let's get that accomplished, because then that'll make me feel better, and I won't be so jealous, because I'll know where you are at all times, and you'll be home with me every night, and I won't have to worry about it, and then it was just that so because of his situation it was complicated you know he had to ask for permission for us to live with him and um you know and we didn't want to talk to our children about it at first because we weren't even sure if we were going to be able to and um so you know after months and months of back and forth with his parole officer and getting paperwork filled out and him getting psychological assessments and things like that and um, you know, finally he, we were able to get permission to live together. And, um, in a way, it was kind of like in my mind, terrifying because I, it was like the one protection I had was sometimes being able to go home to my own place at night and like have peace. And even though I knew that I was being monitored, I just knew that at least I didn't have to like be dressed up and I didn't have to be, have my makeup on and I didn't have to, um, Like be at his beck and call and be like I could just relax a little bit you know and my kids could relax a little bit and we could just like have that little bit of time together and so in a way I was really disappointed that he did get the permission for us to move in with him and he didn't even give us time to process it it was literally the day he got permission he was like I want you to move in this weekend like let's move in this weekend and I was like wow, um, okay, you know, and, and, and I and I did speak up, and I said, listen, I'm concerned, I said, I, I know you and I have not a perfect relationship, and we fight a lot, and there's things that you don't like about me, and the way I do things, I said, maybe we should try to just make it a slower process, and then it became him raging at me over wanting to slow it down, and why would I want to do that, and what, like, you know, what was I doing, because I, was, I must be doing something behind his back, because why wouldn't I want to live with him, and don't I love him, and... And just, you know, screaming at me and berating me over, then even suggesting that I wouldn't want to move in with him immediately. So I did. I ended up moving myself and my two kids into his house, literally two days after he was given permission to do so. And um, that night, it became him trying to control everybody in the house, his own two kids and my two kids. Um, You know, we have four children under the age of 10, and uh, and he started to get angry with them for not following his rules exactly, like, you know, so-and-so wanted to stay up and read for a couple extra minutes, and that was unacceptable, and, you know, you're being rude, and now you have to share a room, and you can't do that, and you're just constantly then screaming and making the kids feel uncomfortable and upset instead of trying to make everybody feel good about it. Um, You know, it was that. And then it happened to be around Christmas time. And my kids have always really enjoyed um decorating the Christmas tree and talking about the ornaments that we're putting on the tree because we always try and collect ornaments from places we go and things like that. And so it was very special to them. And then when we were decorating the tree at his house, he basically then said, like, you and your kids have too many ornaments. You're going to have to put some of them away, Um and you're not going to be able to display everything. You have to tell them that because it's getting obnoxious that you have so many, and my kids don't have as many. And, um, you know, then just anything and everything that he could do to make us feel like it wasn't our home, he would always make us feel like we were second-class citizens in his home, you know. So, um then it was him wanting to get engaged, so he became focused on finding the perfect ring, which was, you know, of course, very nice. But it was such an obsession and focus about him. He bought tools to examine diamonds by him by himself and did all this research about how to examine diamonds and, um, you know, wanted this perfect ring. And we drove down to Delaware because he finally found the perfect diamond down in Delaware. And um, it was just uh, so many things that he just became obsessed about that. It was one obsession after the next. So he finally bought this ring and then made this beautiful, it was a beautiful way that he wanted to propose. He wanted to Bring our kids and me back to the park that we met um and say that he was taking family portraits of all of us as a as a birthday present to me and um and he had the ring and so as the photographer was taking our photographs, he proposed at this park and Again, you know, very romantic gesture and, uh, you know, just brings you back in. So, kind of, it's always this like sucking back in after feeling like you've been pushed down to your limit of breaking. Um, it's always something that sucks you back in. And then um, the fights between us never stopped. Of course, it's always me being accused of doing something, whether it's at work or, or, or you know, while he's, you know, while I'm walking down the street, if I'm, he perceives me as looking at somebody or out to eat or whatever, I'm always doing something I shouldn't be doing. And then it starts to escalate and the fights start to get more physical. And so he starts, you know, will just walk into the room and walk across the room and directly at me and slap me across the face if he thinks I've done something or, um, push me down and grab my neck and hold me down to the bed and stare in my eyes and say, I hate you. I, I I knew that you were a disgusting woman and I knew you were horrible. I knew my son always hated you. Um, you know, just say the most horrible, horrible things that you could possibly say, but then like, just abusive. And if I would fight back, he would then make me feel like he would call me, you know, negative names like I was a butcher or I was, I was a man. I was disgusting. Like that, you know, I guess I wanted to be in control and, and that I was, then he didn't realize he married a man Oh, he wanted to marry a man. And, um, just anything horrible he can say, you know, and, um, so he became more and more where the fights would escalate to where I became nervous about his physical reaction in these fights and, and, you know, where I would drive home from work at night and think to myself, like, I I would have these thoughts of like, just like, gosh, I don't want to go home. I'm terrified. I don't know what I'm walking into from day to day. I don't know what his reaction is going to be to me and what he's going to be mad about. And, and I just knew I was always in for it. And, and, and just, it was always something to defend myself over. And, um, He was always monitoring my bedtimes and what I ate and questioning what I ate for the day and questioning whether or not I did the workout that he set forth to me. And um, then he started putting cameras everywhere. So then it was not only my being monitored with my phone, but now there's um, cameras in the front of the house, cameras in the back of the house. Um, His computer camera is always on um it it was just be uh, more and more like a prison for me, like where I couldn't do anything without being questioned and and being watched, I just felt like I had no no privacy whatsoever, and it was just you don't think i mean to me it's like when in my mind originally I thought like, well, if I don't have anything to hide then what what does it matter but When it doesn't, what we don't realize is that, like, it doesn't matter if you're being an angel. You're still being monitored and you're being accused and questioned, even if you're not doing anything wrong. So it's just so, so absurd and so crazy. You know, it's just, it's it's a terrible, terrible place to be. And it makes you feel horrible.
0: For your children, are they speaking up to you? And saying, like what is going on here? are they voicing it to uh their dad when they're not with you, and do you ever get um your ex husband uh discussing what's kind of going on with you
1: um well I definitely that was a concern of mine for sure um and so with the kids a lot. I mean, they would see me crying a lot, um, which I, mean, I felt really bad about, and I knew that they had a sense of what was happening, but honestly, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't have the, the, the tools in my mind to explain to them what, what was happening, but then at the same time, still stay with him. you know what I mean? So here I am, like, trying in my mind to say, like, okay, like, I would never want my kids to be in this situation, but at the same time, I'm going through it, and I don't know how to explain to them why i'm doing what i'm doing or or and i mean i didn't even understand myself why i was doing what i was doing so but no my my ex never really brought it up but um but i know that the girls um my daughters would would say like things like why is he so mean you know or why is he saying like you know that you know why does he do these things why does he make you cry and i would say you know. I know, you know, I know sometimes he's mean, and, you know, he and I will work it out and don't worry about it, and it has nothing to do with you, and I love you, and it'll be fine, and, you know, just trying to kind of mediate and calm the situation, and I always thought to myself, like, okay, you're the flight attendant here, and the plane's going down, but you just got to pass out the peanuts, and... And, and act like nothing's happening, you know, and make it seem like everything's calm and okay and that I'll be okay and you'll be okay and everything will be fine, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that wasn't the right way to handle it. And, and again, it's an overwhelming amount of guilt over it in my mind about, you know, with the effect that this might have on them. And now, you know, that's one of the biggest things for me is, like, making my own girls aware of people out there like this, because it's so terrifying that, you know, if they don't know, because I didn't know, right? I didn't know. I mean, did I know that there was people out there like this? Yes. But I didn't know how to look out for it and like what the signs of it were. And by by the time I realized what was happening, I was so deep into it that it was just so hard to dig myself out of it. You know,
0: there's no playbook for this when you yeah. when you're deep into it cuz you don't know you don't know what's going on and there's no right way or wrong way right. uh because right. there is no way because when you're so lost you don't know mm-hmm. what's up what's down what's left or right so you have no idea exactly. what to do
1: Exactly and that's what the situation I was in I just felt so lost when it came to that and I felt bad and so we did um in February of 2019, we did get married and, uh, you know, again, reservations about the whole thing and just went through with it, even knowing, like, in the back of my mind, I I, I was planning an escape as I, was, as I was saying my vows. In the back of my mind, I knew it was just to hold him over because I knew that I couldn't stay in this forever. I just knew I couldn't. I knew that I wouldn't be able to tolerate it forever. I knew I wouldn't be able to live like that. I was scared of the effect I was having on my kids. I was, um, so as I'm saying my vows in my mind, I'm thinking like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, why I'm doing this, but it was really just because I didn't want him to be angry with me for not, you know? So I, um, I married him and, um, every bit of me knew it was the wrong thing to do, but I did. And, uh, you know, so nothing got better. The fighting continued, escalated, um. He would, you know, if I defended myself or yelled back at him, he would shove soap into my mouth and, like, <laughs> just berate me and slap me or hold me down. And, and it became, like, um, you know, he, it would be even, like, where he would... Um, Get me so upset and crying over these fights that I'd be just hysterical crying and trying to leave and run out of the house. And then he would drag me back in or just stop, to, you know, physically stop me from leaving, blocking doorways, holding me in, um, following me until he tracked me down and pulled me back in, like physically wouldn't let me leave the situation ever. And then would keep us up all night fighting about it. And then when I was so physically exhausted that I couldn't take it anymore and wanted to fall asleep, he would then want to, want to have sex. He, he just wanted, to, because he just couldn't let it, let it go. And and the last thing in my mind that I wanted to do was have sex with this man because I was so upset. And so, you know, the things he would say to me and the things he would, the way he would treat me and then like, Tell me how you know badly I did everything, and how I was such a turnoff, and this and the other thing. And then, then why do you want to have sex? Like I just the last thing I wanted to do was sleep with him, and and that's what he would do is just another way of it was And then like not not let me go to sleep until I had sex with him after a fight, and it was just another way, you know, another way to keep me under his thumb. And um, so eventually, you know, after a long time of this, uh, I started to actually uh, under his recommendation of getting help for my anger management problems, as he put it, um, I said, fine, I want to go, I want to go see a therapist and I, you know, to address this, I said, you know, I, and I, I, knew that this was my, sort of my way out was, was then, um, Wanted you to see somebody to to get advice on the situation. And I knew when I got there, I wasn't going to be talking about my anger management problems that I didn't have. I was going to be talking to them about this. And so, but his, um, he started to get nervous when I said, I want to go to see a psychiatrist, um, and talk to them because he said to me, well, they're just going to tell you to leave me. And I said, well, why do you think that if you, if I have anger problems and that's what I'm going there, why would they tell me to leave you? And he was like, I don't know. I just think that, you know, they're just going to try and convince you to leave me and convince you that, you know, it's it's my fault that you have these problems and um and you know, so, you know, then it became don't go to the um psychiatrist, just do um telemedicine from my computer in my office and you can just sit up there and do it there. And this was before COVID, so it was not normal to do telemedicine for a psychiatrist. Now, I'm sure it's a lot more normal. Um but uh, you know, I knew that if I did that, he would be listening to everything that I said, and it wasn't going to be helpful to me in any way. So, I did convince him that I was just going to go, and I did. I went to the psychiatrist, and I was afraid to bring my phone in the room with me because I was afraid he had a way of listening to what I was saying through my phone. Because I, like I said, he is very technologically savvy, and I just became paranoid to the point that I was being tracked so much that I didn't know if he could hear what I was saying through my phone anymore. So I left my phone out in the waiting room, and I went in there, and I was crying and telling the psychiatrist everything that was happening, and and she basically said, like, you, you need to get out. You're being abused. You know, this is abuse. You're being abused. I knew she was going to say that, but just hearing her say it just felt so validating, you know, um, and it made me realize that I did have to get out, and so I started to try and try and um think about what I would do you know but but it was so hard because everything was being so monitored you know even my google searches everything so I couldn't really do much I couldn't look for a place to live or anything or even try and separate myself that way it just became so difficult but the straw that broke the camel's back was (laughs) one night I had come home and he was angry again about something and Finally, the kids had gone to bed, and, um, you know, he basically runs into the bedroom where I'm at and starts screaming at me about somebody, um, let's say his name is Joe, and he starts screaming about somebody named Joe, and, and I was like, who are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about, and he would say, he said, um, well, I went into your LinkedIn account, and I saw that, you know, uh, this person, he he's saying that you had a past with him. And that you were dating at some point and you slept with him and you never told me about it. And, um, and I was like, that's not true. It's completely not true. He, um, threw me down onto the bed and was screaming in my face and said, we're going to have drinks tomorrow with Joe and you and I, and he's going to tell the truth. And then you're going to be faced with him. And he's going to tell me everything that happened between you two. And you're going to be sitting right there. So you're not going to be able to deny any of it. And, and I was like so upset and terrified, and didn't know what was going on. I was so confused. And then he got, you know, got up and left the room after holding me down and choking me down on the bed. And so then I start looking at my phone, like thinking, like, who is this person that he's talking about? And then I realized who he was talking about. So I start to try and find this person's phone number to understand what's happening, right? Because now I'm done. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. So I, I, I look up this person's name. I don't know this person that well, but I am linked to them on LinkedIn, you know, with somebody I had done a job for back six years before that or something, but it's not like he and I had a personal relationship or anything. So I look up the person's number and I call him and I say, Joe, what what did you say to my husband and what's going on here? I don't understand what you Why would you say that you and I had a relationship? And he goes, he's like... Francesca, Francesca, don't, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, I he goes, I thought you and I were just supposed to meet up for drinks tomorrow. Uh, what? I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so it then occurred to me that I guess he, my ex was contacting this person through LinkedIn, pretending he was me, and asking him to go out for drinks and asking him just, I guess, to see if he would say yes. So that um, he, he then thought, because he said yes, that, that he and I must be having some type of relationship <laughs> together. Um, so I realized he was catfishing this person, I suppose, through LinkedIn, pretending he was me. And so that night I went downstairs and slept on the couch, which... My ex never let me do because he would never, ever let me not sleep in the bed with him, even if we had to stay up until six o'clock in the morning fighting with each other. He would never let me fall asleep without being in the same bed with him. He let me sleep on the couch that night. And, um, and I, as I laid there, I just thought to myself, like, tomorrow's the day. You just have to, like, you can't do this anymore. You have to leave. And so in my head, I just said, okay, like, you're going to drop the girls off at camp. it's summertime, so you're drop them off at camp and, um, and you're gonna come back to the house because he's gonna have left by work but left to work by then. And um, you're gonna just pack whatever you can up in bags and throw it in the back of your car and drive away. and, and you're going to go to, I, and I was going to call my mom on the way to work and tell my mom to ask her if I could stay with her. And uh, because she knew nothing about what was happening, so it was going to have to be this huge exposure of everything that had gone on. And uh, so I did. And, and so what happened was because I knew he had cameras in the front of the house and I was afraid if he saw me loading out my car that he would turn around from being on the way home from work and come back and stop me, I basically packed up everything and brought it down to the front door, which all I had was clothes basically and my my girls' clothes and, and some of their toys. I packed up everything, brought it down to the front door but didn't bring it outside yet and then knew I had probably about ten minutes to then pack things into my car before he would see me on the camera in the front and turn around and start coming back. So, um and I uh started loading things into my car and over the camera intercom he's screaming at me and saying, Just stop it, would it just stop you're being irrational, just stop, you can't leave. and um if you would just apologize if you just apologize, everything would just be fine. And he's screaming through the, the microphone and uh, on the, on the camera and, and saying, you know, just apologize and everything will be fine. And, um, and I just ignored it. I didn't even look at the camera. I just kept loading up my car and I drove off and I drove to work and on my way to work, I called my, I called my mom and I asked her if I could stay there. And I said, you know, I'll explain everything later, but can I come there after work tonight? And I knew my girls were going to be at their dad's house that night, so I knew they'd be okay. And and she said yes. And, and uh, I went to work, and I had a breakdown at work, and nobody at work really knew what was going on, although I'm sure they all suspected something was going on, because I used to cry all the time at work from it. But uh, my boss took me... She said, you need to get another cell phone. And he's tracking your phone, You, but you got to get another phone. And so she took me right to the phone store, bought me a phone, um, with her own money. And, um, <laughs> and I realized that he had emptied out my bank account when he realized that I was leaving. So I had literally not one penny in my bank account, even though I made like three times as much money as he did. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't have access to any of my money. He, he, he drained it. He took every penny out and, uh, you know, I, I got the new phone. I stayed with my mom, uh, but that night he came and he was pounding on the door and, and telling me that he wanted to talk to me, but I wouldn't go out and out there to talk to him. And, uh, and my mom called the police and had them come and ask him to leave, which he eventually did. And, um, then it just, after that, it became a total kid. Okay, that was, um, August. Of last year and after that it just became since from that day until today a total case of stalking and harassment Um, and it has not stopped Um, so it's been him following me, him um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails and voicemails and text messages and when I would block one he would create a new phone number and a new email and call from that number and email from that number and Video record himself um, and send me videos of him saying, you know, 15 minute spiels of how I just needed to come back and, you know, I was being irrational and um, it just in every way possible he could to try and get me to come back, he would say it. And um, then it became, well, now I knew it was August and I knew that I had to find my own place for my girls to start school in September. And I wanted them to not have to move schools again because they already had moved their school to move closer to him. And so I didn't want them to have to change schools again. So now I'm looking for a place to live in the same town, which, you know, some might say is stupid. But I didn't want them to have to be affected by moving schools again. So I was looking for a place to to live in the same town. And, uh, you know, but I didn't have any money. I mean, I knew I was going to get paychecks and I had my paychecks rerouted to my new account that I had opened and everything so that he wouldn't have access to it. But, um, you know, so basically I knew I was going to get money and I knew I was going to be able to pay rent, but I didn't have any money to make a deposit or to buy furniture or anything because I didn't have anything. I didn't have dishes. I didn't have towels. I didn't have anything. But I wanted to get out of my mom's house by September so that my girls could start school in their same school. And uh, so I was looking for a place. I ended up selling my, wanting to sell my engagement ring to get cash, and I took out a 401k loan to get cash. So when I went to go sell my engagement ring on um, an auction website, uh, he then, I, I sent the engagement ring into this, it was a reputable auction house, um, and so I sent the engagement ring in the way that I was supposed to send it into them, and somehow he was able to hack into their system and, tell them that I, that he was me somehow and, um, tell them that I wanted the ring back and I would change my mind and didn't, didn't want to sell the ring. And, uh, so then when I found that out, now he has them sending the ring back to his house and I, and so I, uh, you know, now I'm trying to stop that from happening because and so I I have to call the police and get a restraining order against him and um, basically then say that he's he's been following me he's been tracking me he's finding ways to show up at my job and my house and and well, um, now you know, he's so now
0: he's committed a crime I mean that's a crime
1: exactly yes well so, not that he hasn't um, committed
0: a crime before but now he's he's brought in yeah. uh, uh, someone yeah. outside uh, of, of you.
1: Right, exactly. So, um, basically then, you know, that all, so I get a temporary restraining order against him, um, and, um, I go to court to get a final restraining order against him, and he and his lawyer convince me that, um, he is going to stop harassing me and stop, um, everything because he's filed for divorce and, um, He has no interest in contacting me anymore and no interest in pursuing any of this anymore. So there's no reason for me to do this final restraining order because all it was going to do was because of his situation, get his custody of his children taken away. And there was no need for any of that and making me feel bad. So I did, I gave in and I dropped that temporary restraining order and, um, the contact never stopped and, continued and continued he actually dropped the divorce which he's he and his lawyer gave me the docket number and everything he never went through with the divorce um, so then I was like well I'm going to file my, for my own divorce then so I filed the paperwork for a divorce and again still the stalking the harassment he's sending me because um, um, he's still on my insurance from work so he is calling the insurance company telling them to send me um doctor referrals for oncologists and hematologists and things like that to make me think that he's going to the doctor because he's got something terribly wrong with him so that I'll feel bad and come back to him. He follows me to work and and um, he pulls over to the side of the road and pretend like his car is broken down and he does all these crazy things and you know still sending me flowers and and leaving me 20 minute voicemails and hundreds and hundreds of emails and pretending he's a secret admirer and all these things just it's just nonstop um harassment and uh so finally again I go for a second restraining order because i warned him that i needed him to stop because he was interfering with my ability to leave a normal lead a normal life with everything that he was doing i had ring doorbell footage on my camera that of him taping his wedding ring to my door and he started to do very weird and things that were making me nervous and showing up to my house and sending my daughter flowers on her birthday and writing me cards that it would say things like um you know, uh, our relationship is worth dying for, and um, things that started to become really frightening. So, um, I uh, I filed for another restraining order, and that was in July. And because of COVID, and because of him asking for an adjournment on the case a couple times in order to get his self his his own self together and get his own lawyer and do all these things that he would ask for adjournment. So. That restraining order will hopefully become a final restraining order next week, and I'm still holding tight to that. And I did get a lawyer who's helping me, thank God, because it's helping me stick to it. And um, I do find that looking back and, and reminding myself of all the horrible things he's done to me, that does help keep me strong and help me want to do it, even though he keeps like making me think like I'm doing something terrible to him. Um he violated that restraining order almost immediately and then got arrested and um put in jail and uh and then he blamed me for that and now he's wearing a gps ankle bracelet because he was on parole and violated the restraining order um you know it, it just goes on and on i did come to find also that he um at you know was also convicted of wiretapping his ex-wife while they were going through a divorce. Um, he put an iPhone in her place of business and taped it under her reception desk and was listening to her conversations and um, also insurance fraud when he was going through a divorce with her because he was trying to change all her life insurance paperwork um, because she had tried to take him off her life insurance after they got divorced, and he went in and fraudulently changed it back to his information um, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is what he does. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you yeah. know, for you, how mm-hmm. are you doing? Uh, are you, are you seeing a trauma counselor? How, mm-hmm. where, do, where, do, where have you started to unravel and deal with, you know, now it's Years, I guess, of being in the uh, the relationship, and then, you know, uh, maybe a year of being out, but being stalked um, for 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 that year. So, how do you unravel this, and where 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 have you begun?
1: We were together for four years, and then um, I left right at the four year mark. But where I, from where I was a year ago, a year and a half ago, almost when that happened. To now, I mean, it's been a long, arduous road, and still, like, um, there's there's days where I, I, you know, I did see I did see a counselor, and I still do sometimes, not as frequently was as I was. I was seeing a counselor once a week, and um, you know, that was her helping me work through the shame and the blaming of myself and me feeling guilty for what I put my own children for, and then like. Also, un- uninstalling a filter that was put in my head of everything I did and said, I felt like a, a prisoner who was released from prison. I didn't even know, I didn't even know how to like really think for myself anymore. You know, it was very, very much like this untraining process in my head of how to act and how to talk and and actually being able to like eat whatever food I wanted to eat and what time I wanted to go to bed and what shows I wanted to watch on TV and like if I wanted to, it didn't feel good. and wanted to sleep late and not work out one day or, um, you know, those kind of freedoms were just foreign to me at that point, you know, and it was, it was really hard to work through and, and then being afraid of him showing up places and like, um, you know, just always being on the lookout for like seeing him and like being, thinking I'm being followed or it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to, to work through. And I think, um, it gets better, it does get better every day, and having um you know starting back relationships with family members that I had lost um through all this, and friends that I lost through all this, and becoming closer to people that I work with because they helped me so much and support me supported me so much through this and um you know building trust and relationship back with my daughters and ensuring them that they're not gonna have to go through anything like that ever again um Gosh, it's a lot. It's a lot to work through, and it, it does get better and it does get easier. But I mean, I I think there's days where I, I where you still like have this like feeling of where you're back in it. Like something in your mind will trigger you back to a moment, and I'll start crying or I'll start thinking about it. You know.
0: So you have flashbacks, um, or you know, just uh, you know something something in your mind one day just. Crabs onto a memory, and boom, you kind of get put right back into that yeah. spot. And yeah, definitely. So, so how yeah. how do you uh, deal with with those? Like, what did your therapist say? Like, this is just gonna, this is going to happen. It'll happen over yeah. less over time, and you know, just something we're gonna you have to a time will she, heal. That is that kind of the – she
1: did, and she, and her advice was always, you know, give yourself grace you know don't be so hard on yourself and 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 you know if you had a friend that was sitting down and telling you that all this was happening to her or this happened to her would you be would you think she was a bad person would you be upset with her and and I would be like of course not no you know I would be there for her and and she'd be like so you need to do that for yourself you know you have to you have to forgive yourself. You have to, like, you know, not feel ashamed anymore because you did, it's nothing that you did. Um, you are are out of it, and you should be proud of yourself that you're out of it. And and live in those moments too, like where you um, where you are upset, because it's honestly those moments, Brandon, that that keep you out of it. You know, like where you're where you remind yourself. Um, because sometimes your brain tricks you and you go back to those really nice and sweet moments too, and you, and you miss those sweet moments. And um, you have to remind yourself, it's almost like, no, you know, slap your hand away from the hot stove and say no, because, because, you know, you forget about some of the bad stuff. I think your brain tricks you and you have to like, so I write things down and I revisit them and I think in myself, and then I'll just remember right away how horrible some of the things were and think, no, gosh, no, you should never, ever, ever think that again. Never think that you want to get back into that again, you know?
0: I mean, you went through so much, the progression of everything and to be stuck in such a a dark, lonely place and not knowing what, where anything is and in how to get out for such a long time um i mean that can happen to anyone it does happen to to anyone and when you're you get hooked like that you're there's no shame for me me there's no shame or guilt involved you know, you know people that listen to the show uh, know that, but there's people that don't listen to the show that don't understand that when you're in these spots, you know, you feel that you don't have any way out. And, right. yeah. and it's something that a lot of people can't uh, grasp or, or understand that, right. know, that decisions in these spots aren't. As cut and dry as they think, until they're, they're put into the exact same situation, especially when you are so mind controlled, and you just weren't mind controlled. I mean, that was this is one of the biggest uh, controlling situations I think uh, I've heard to the degree of every little single thing. I mean, you had zero space, zero privacy, a- everything. You're mean, right? That, right? That's like that's it was it, that was like one of the, the worst um, examples of like this I've ever heard. And, you know, you're here and, um, you know, I'm happy you're out and I'm happy you are where you are. And, you know, I'm proud of you for, you know, you know, you, you know, you were strong for staying for, for that long. And, you know, it took a lot to, it takes a lot of strength eventually to burst your way out. And, you um, you know, I'm uh, just happy you're here and I know your story here today is going to help a lot of people and um, who who are sitting out there right now who are in the exact same situation as you and uh, need to know that there's someone that made it out and is doing well and is working hard and it's not easy this road of recovery and healing when you've been through something like you've been through and the psychological abuse that you went through and uh the physical abuse as well and there's a lot of stuff uh to deal with and um you know it's not gonna be easy but you're doing it and mm-hmm. you know you might have to take us a couple of steps back one day and you know but you're you're going there and you're there and you're out and you're free and I'm happy that you're yeah. that you're here.
1: I appreciate that, Brandon. I mean, it always means a lot when you hear it from anybody, and 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 I do appreciate that. I mean, it is, you know, you need that encouragement, too, to know, like, that, you know, what you're doing is the right thing for you. Because sometimes, you know, you don't trust your own self, and you have to think, like, you know, you have to listen to other people, and, and they have to encourage you. And I think that's important, you know, when you know somebody that's going through this or if you hear somebody that's going through it that you that you reassure them and that's really sweet of you to do i mean you you have to reassure somebody that you know you are doing what you the best you can do and you're not you're not a bad person for having gone through this you're not a bad person for having fallen for somebody that put you in a situation you know like i felt like i was in a pretty good spot. I mean, I was a pretty pretty successful woman. I owned my own home. I had a pretty decent career. I had two children that I was successfully taking care of. And, you know, I just never thought, you know, you say like people that weren't going through it, they can't understand. Well, I remember being the person that if I heard somebody that was going through this, I'd be like, why wouldn't you just leave? Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, I just I know that I would have said that you know, and and I think to myself how wrong I was now, knowing like how how difficult it is mentally to escape from that and to to think like that you know I don't know it just it takes control of you, it really does
0: well th- there's uh a book I listened to i didn't read it, I have audible, and uh there's a book last year that I listened to, and it was called. Uh, no visible bruises by Rachel Louise Snyder.
1: I'm in the middle of the Audible right now. You're Brandon. listening to, to it, it, it.
0: Okay, it.
1: this is domestic violence.
0: This uh, is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and this book is so good. Everyone really should is. buy this book. And whoever you know who doesn't know anything about this subject. You Mm -hmm. you buy them this book. Everyone Mm -hmm. should have this book. It is. uh, I remember I was walking down the street, and I remember exactly where I was because it's such a heartbreaking story in in many many parts, and it's very interesting in the way this book is told. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I was on Spadina. In Toronto, I was almost to college. I was about a block away. I broke down in tears at one point mm-hmm. uh, listening to this book. It is a powerful book and it's educational in all aspects. Um, and, uh, you, know, y- you know, listen to your story. Uh, you know, I was scared for you in the exact same way that people should have been scared for uh, that woman in the book. Mm-hmm. and yeah. um you know, to to like you know to notice these things that are going on with uh, other people um and to you know kind of step in and, and you know cuz you know they sp- in this book they speak to the families of both sides um, mm-hmm. of the husband and the wife in you know if people you know the communication between people if people knew these things and saw these things you know maybe the outcome could have been different in a lot of these situations. Right. So, you know, got, or if people
1: even know what know what to say, right? right. Like, you know, you might know about it, and maybe you don't know what to do or what to say. You know, maybe you don't you don't you don't know how to handle it. You might even know somebody you love you may know very well what they're going through, but you don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: So. Um, yeah, just you know, honestly, um, thank you for, for being. I'm, I'm doing this before, but uh, I'll just again, I know I'm sputtering the earth. <laughs> before we leave today, what I guess is the biggest thing, uh, uh, words of advice and uh, wisdom that you want to give to everyone else that's listening?
1: Gosh, so, I mean, what I try and tell myself, and I guess the advice I would give to somebody if, if I knew was going through this is is trust trust your inner voice. Um, if something feels wrong or feels like it's not right, it isn't because that inner voice is never wrong. It really isn't. It's never wrong. And don't walk away, but run away. You have to get out immediately and don't second guess yourself and don't don't ever think that your inner voice is leading you wrong because it isn't a hundred percent of the time it isn't. And always, always listen to it and find a way to, to, to just follow it no matter what, um, no matter what else is around you and what other influences are around you. You have to trust yourself and you have to, um, you know, you have to you have to do what's right for you. You have to do what's right for your family and your children and yourself and you have to trust that voice. And it takes a long time once you don't trust it and you go through the situation to trust it again and to even learn how to listen to it because you may not even realize you have it anymore. And you have to find it and you have to keep listening to it. And I always do that I dig for that inner voice and um and trust it. And I and I always I always do now. And the second something doesn't feel right, I, I walk away. I have to, and no matter what. It's not even talking about being with a man or um, any other romantic situations. Is it any situation in your life if it doesn't feel right? It's not right.
0: Well, Francesca, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here uh, with me today and sharing your story. It's an, uh, you know, this being domestic violence awareness month. Uh, last week we had Kelly uh, on the show. Um, and this week we have you where, you know, dealing with a lot of extreme control here. So I just want to thank you for, for sharing this and, uh, being so vulnerable, uh, with us today and letting your emotion and everything, uh, you know, be out there for everyone to hear, uh, and feel, and uh, I know that your story is going to help a lot of people, so thank you for being here.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it, and it was my pleasure and it feels good to think that maybe some somehow it could help someone else.
0: Well, it will. and um, you know i'm uh, i'll I'll keep in touch with you. so okay, uh, great. Um, and for everyone else out there who is listening. Um, on behalf of Francesca and I, I hope you have a good night.